This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for this Q&A session and reaction to the Derby Massacre, Chris Bird. Welcome, Chris. We're taking the piss. We are taking the piss. Why do you always swear at the start of the show? Do you want me to start again? You're turning into a horrible young man. <laughs> I'm turning into a soundbite. I'm turning into Tim Sherwood. That's what's happened. Slags. Slags everywhere. Right, we'll start again. Usually every time he finished a song, he'd get on a payphone wherever he was in the country and call me and wake me up. And so, like, he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar, you know? And that's how I heard this song the first time. I always thought this was a real pretty one. It's called uh, My Old Man. It's a good ball in. It's a really good ball in, and there is the goal. It's been coming all half long. And Aston Villa have the lead through McGinn with the header, the midfielder ghosting in. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for what is a listener Q&A and also a reaction to the uh, the Derby massacre, Chris Budd. Welcome again, Chris. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Well, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good now. I'm taking care of business on the pitch. We did. We did. It was dominant. Dominant from start to finish. Emphatic. Got to the stage of uh, 70 minutes on the clock still nil-nil and I and I was thinking I'm, I'm, whatever happens in this result if Derby you know win, a, win by a sucker punch in the end this is real progress and we are going to uh, kick on but then Balassi came on and then it was executioner style three goals in the space of what was it 15 minutes and game over I think so yeah yeah it was, yeah, it was de- once we went you know into the, the final gear we just were devastating which I think for people who've been watching us for a while, would probably say it's been coming. Yeah. Well, Villa fans were singing we're taking the piss at the end. But what was interesting, and this is probably the defining difference between uh, this regime and uh, the previous regime under Mr. Bruce, was when we went 1 0 up, we, we just we knew we had the measure of them. So we just continued to attack. Now, uh, under Bruce, I think you'd have seen us withdraw a bit, go deep. Whelan would have come on, or, or Yedinak, and uh, we'd have tried to have, uh, you know, taken home what we what we had, and you know, potentially putting it at risk. But we just blew them away because we knew we. Yeah, had. we'd have we'd have we'd have tried to kill the game, wouldn't we? We'd have taken all the pace out of the game, and maybe tried if the chance was there to hit them on the break. But we we just went in. Which is great. I mean, we kind I, of stepped it up. I, I, I thought it was um... the tempo seemed to lift. Even you know when we went uh, one one ahead, I think Balassi helped that. I th- it's kind of interesting how uh, the whole Balassi situation is going to play out because if we can play like we did consistently, 
And if even, you know, after the international break, if Balassi isn't 100% there, if he's coming off the bench, you know, 60, 70 minutes gone for that final 20, half an hour, then uh, he's going to be a real uh, nuisance for them. I, mean, I think we said before in the, in the previous podcast, he could, in the second half of the season, when he's up to a like, consistent level of fitness and he's found some form, which he's, he's kind of close to anyway, he could be the difference. Yeah. Because most teams are going to look down our team sheet and think, bloody hell, they're bringing Balassi off the bench, let alone the other options we have. With the fact that we can bring that calibre of player. I was watching the game on uh, Rams TV. Don't ask me how or why or when or, or where. Just just dark hearts. This is how it happened. And uh, first of all, I have to say, Villa, when you're overseas, you can obviously... Uh, Subscribe either for the season or individually to see a stream of the game uh, as long as it's not on Sky. And Villa, when this streaming system came out through the EFL, Villa had put up the price to £6 per game instead of the £5 that everybody else charges because they were going to supply this premium service, you know, AVTV. And uh, it was going to be, they were going to offer their supporters something that was a cut above everybody else's. So what we actually got was this one almost like one camera angle there's one commentator no no you know no sidekicks no show at half time the feed just cuts off to a, essentially a blank screen and then cuts off straight away after the end of the game and at the start of the game there's nothing it just you know kick off straight away no uh, post match highlights nothing so villa fans were getting charged uh, you know an extra quid for basically nothing and then at the start of this season, so many technical difficulties, it became a joke, you know, audio out of sync with the actual picture. Sometimes there wasn't a picture at all. I haven't watched any other club streams. So for the first time, uh, I was watching another club stream. So so I watched Rams TV. If, if you're an overseas Villa supporter, you can get Rams TV for £5 instead of getting AV TV for £6. They have like a proper show. It's like, you know, watching Sky, but it's actually better. They have better pundit it's a tommy proper jo- it's a proper broadcast isn't yeah. it tommy johnson was there they have like a setup uh, overlooking the the stands a couple of pundits presenter all football iqs up there tommy johnson's been watching derby under 23 games as well as their first team very good chats they've been watching villa as well they knew what they were talking about go to the game there's a there's a co-commentator as well as the commentator half time goes back to the uh, studio talk about the game again better than watching bloody sky and at the end highlights show and uh, you know after match analysis and it was great and the fact that villa have have made out that they're offering more and what they're offering is like it feels like you're going back 20 years in terms of let's say streaming is is this embarrassing and they've got to do something about this yeah but anyway that's another I mean, the, the- the, the, sta- the standard is literally theirs is a better standard than when we were running AVTV in the Premier League. No, exactly. As a, as a, supposedly, as a bigger broadcast, it's just light years ahead, and it's a, and all it is is a bit of care and a bit of thought. And it's not rocket science. I mean, how to present a show is is pretty simplistic. The, I mean, the format's been there for for years. Derby aren't really reinventing anything. They're just doing this tried and tested very well. Villa just a joke they're just ripping off their own fans but making out that they're doing them a favor in the process premium service it is not yeah it's a it's a sham anyway uh when we were talking about uh the last show about how did villa get back into the season in terms of turning it into a promotion season and obviously we mentioned the blueprint of fulham where they had this run of games of 
six games against the top six and they won every one bar drawing against, uh, I think it was Bristol City. And up till Christmas, we have a similar run of games. But based just on that performance, if we can replicate that Derby performance, we are literally taking that Fulham blueprint, laminating it, injecting steroids in it and uh, rock and rolling. Well, hopefully. You'd like to think so. I mean, I think it's a momentum thing, isn't it, now? They've just got to keep it going. As I said at the start, you know, after watching the first 70 minutes, you just knew this was a different animal now. So do you, do you feel more confident going yeah. forward? Uh, I mean, especially like Blues and Forest to come. I think, I th- I'd say so, yeah. I think most Villa fans are much more positive because they can see that the team has gears it can go through now. Um, there's a certain amount of control and consistency that's starting to you know to be to get there. I think that that will only get better in time as he gets more and more time with the players. You know he's you know to go to Derby and be to sort of weather the storm because Derby did have some chances in the first half. Yeah, um, and credit to Nyland, but they I think you know that that sort of age old cliche of earning the right to play was really true with Villa at Derby. You know they 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 did the the difficult things well and they passed the ball well. And made chances. But Tammy Abraham, uh, you know, eight shots he had. He, he seems to need a lot of shots. Uh, only two of those were on target. Yeah, him and uh, him and Kodja are wasteful, weren't they, I think, especially in, in this game. It's a, it's a habit I think Abraham will hopefully grow out of. It might be a reason, to a certain extent, why he didn't get a Premier League move this year, when everyone would have thought on paper he's more than capable. But it might be that the bigger teams would look at it and go, do you know what, we need someone with that killer instinct yeah well though you know saying that I don't think Chelsea were uh, let's say they're not trying to sell him put it that way they they were happy for him to no. stay you know we're talking to somebody on Twitter about uh, Luis Graban who who would obviously I think he'd scored what nine in his last nine games and he's a he's a class finisher where you know sometimes he goes missing in games but I think Tammy works harder but he obviously is a lot younger and uh, his finishing is to come. And, you know, he proved it at this level with Bristol City that he can score. Yeah, he's, he's overall, he's a much more rounded player than Graben, isn't he? Graben's yeah. a, pe- a penalty box player. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But Codger, I mean, as I mentioned in the last show, I think I see him as a weak link in this, in this what will be a utopian Dean Smith team, like all 11 players. I, I don't see him. Uh, I mean, I also singled out Hudson, but I thought Hudson played pretty well. He was playing he within the system, and yeah. uh, you know he didn't he didn't let us down in any shape or form. And even when Taylor went off, you know he moved over to left back. Al yeah. Mohamedy went in at right back, which I actually think a lot of fans probably think that might be our best back four. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if I don't know what in, um, Taylor's injuries like, but I don't think anybody'd be gutted to see Hutton start there against Blues, and if he continues to sort of put a shift in, so be it. Hutt, Taylor might find himself unlucky and. Yeah, but a bit we, like you might find it hard to get back into the team. But you have to be careful because you know a few weeks ago we are we are saying that Smith has finally got it. He's done the simple thing of playing players in their position at the back four yeah. to give it uh, balance by playing a left footer at left back, a right footer at right back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you suddenly start saying that, mm-hmm. you're kind of going against uh, what we were championing Smith for at the, at the start. Derby relatively speaking compared to the the rest of the league I think are a much nicer team compared to some sides we've played and yeah. um, obviously you know, we've got the most fouled player in the league I think I saw um, before the game that Derby are one of the lowest foul you know teams that have given away the most fouls so you yeah. thought for players like McGinn who are a hand grealish you aren't what I'd call massive guys really big bruiser midfielders it probably suits them to play against a team like Derby where they they're not going to get kicked all over the park they'll let them play a bit more and 
unfortunately for Derby, you know, when when you let players like Corahan, Grealish, McGinn get on the ball and play, they can hurt you and in the end did. I have a look at the stats at the end of the game and so I kind of got a rough idea how these uh, things play out now. And in terms of the most, which player had the most touches, normally it's it's either one of the fullbacks, it used to be, but that's kind of started to transition now and it's more the midfielders because I think it's Villa were quite kind of systematic in how they would attack. The fullbacks saw a lot of the ball as this kind of slow build-up without you know actually endeavouring to do anything. So uh, just looking at the stats, uh, the highest amount of touches is, is normally it's anywhere between 80, 85 and 100. And the most amount of touches was Conor Horahan with 67, which is like way down. Yet Villa had 50, I think it's 53% of the possession. But there seemed to be a lot more equality between everybody else seemed to be touched the ball over time, you know, 50 times when normally some of them are like touching it 30 times. So I don't know whether this is saying it's a team effort or what, but for example, Grealish had 50 touches and against QPR, he had a hundred touches. So that's probably why he wasn't getting his fouled as much. But I think, I think what it would probably, sh- yeah, and it probably show that we were a lot more economical with the ball. You know, Grealish, as we've discussed before, has tended to hold on to the ball for quite a long time. Yeah, you get a lot of touches for not necessarily a lot of outlay. Yeah, when you put him in the right positions, and same with McGinn, something more fluid about it. It's much, much more fluid and economical. Yeah. You know, you it's all very well having you know, like QPR is a great example. I think we had close to sixty percent of possession. Yeah, we didn't score. Yeah, this is, I mean, again, this is why I said at the top of the show, the first 70 minutes before we'd even scored, I was just thinking this, whatever happens, this this is looking good for, you know, the rest rest of the season. Ultimately, we sh- yeah, we should have been home and dry, really, shouldn't we? Before yeah. we even got the first goal, it should have been game over. No, exactly. It should have been three or four before the first one went in. Uh, speaking of touches, if anybody out there is curious about the Scott Hogan touch meter, he registered one touch. I think he came on... 86 minute, but there was about five minutes injury time. So right. one touch in nine minutes, in case you're curious. It's about par for the course for him, isn't it? it? Is. That's about a touch every 10 minutes. <laughs> touch I think, a game. Rightly. Yeah, touch every 10 minutes is uh, is actually the average we're working on. Uh, at that uh, 70 minute mark, I was actually thinking, is this, do we need Hogan to come on? Because, you know, maybe he's, at least he can bloody finish it. I think we were playing in a way that yeah. To be to be fair, you, you give the uh, you give the guy his dues. I remember at the turn of the year when he came into the team and he had that run of form. It wasn't like he was getting bucket loads of chances. He was getting yeah. one or two chances a game, and he was taking them. He's very clinical. When he scored two goals in the first eight minutes, Barnsley, Barnsley, that's it. We played Barnsley at home, and he scored. So he scored two really quickly, and then he didn't touch the ball for the rest of the game. Pretty much, they could have taken him off after the first ten minutes, and it was job done. But yeah, it's all about he. He needs to see the ball. I mean, we, we've we've discussed Hogan, but as I said, I think we're now starting to play in a way. Where it's a bit more fluid, everybody's, you know, they're not just giving it to Hutton to trundle down the right and see what happens, or they're not just giving it to Grealish to suddenly start to aimlessly dribble against, uh, you know, five, six players from a deep position. There's actually movement and now. Not, and they're not lumping it either. I was watching a documentary that's come out this week on Pep Guardiola and his, uh, the, you know, the four his four years at Barcelona he's all conquering four years at Barcelona it's called take the ball pass the ball and you watch I think it's the first game he plays and he's obviously told Barcelona to the defenders they are now playing out the back and he's he's 
pretty much reprogrammed some of these defenders. And some of them had, you know, had, had issues at the start, but this was the way we were going to play. And I think it's in the first minute of their first game, when they're trying to pass it out the back, they basically fuck up and the opposition scores. But when you, and what he's saying is, or what the players are saying, because it's all from the players' point of view, they're looking back at uh, this four years. And Barcelona go on to win the game 3-1 by continuing to play. But you're going to have teething problems always at the start. And there was a moment early on in the Derby game where they were playing out the back and uh, there was a bit of a missed pass and Derby had a chance. And there's a few players kind of shouting at each other. But I just remembered this documentary, which I'd seen the day before, and I thought, at least they're trying something now and there's going to be teething problems. And within the rest of that game, they look really comfortable playing the way, you know, that obviously Smith has in, instilled in him. To and Zebe looked, uh, as I said before, he looked, you know, like a smooth operator. Yeah, the, the word for it, and I remember it, it was used with Barcelona. I remember Fulham used it, the phrase as well last year, is that they really believe, you have to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. And you could see Villa really had belief. Where as soon as they crossed the halfway line, they believed they could score. Yeah. When they got into the final third, they they actually, for the first I mean, even under sort of Smith in his previous games, you, they've showed glimpses of it, but they really went into that extra gear where they get in the final third and the pace and the intensity goes up another level. You know, yes, we were wasteful in front of goal, but I don't mind that because if you're making chances, you're always going to give yourself a, a chance to score. Whereas under Bruce, I think we you know, we would we would we were quite economical under Bruce. You know, we'd make one or two chances, we'd normally take one, and then. You know, we weren't particularly wasteful in front of goal, but we weren't particularly fluid or sort of, we wouldn't get into those positions very often. Yeah, I think against uh, QPR, we stepped up a gear and you're, you're expecting us, obviously, you know, as you definitely as you progress to step up another gear. But I think against Derby, we, we stepped up a couple of gears. I mean, we, we kind of almost overachieved in uh, in the space of a game, which we, 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 sh- we had more progress in one game, which you'd expect at the rate we'd been going would have taken like three games to get to. But it sets the Blues up nicely, the the derby, and uh, it does. You know, the best thing was those three goals gave us a goal difference that obviously put us back above them again. Quite right too. After somehow we'd slip below them in the league, I'm not quite sure how that actually happened. It can't be right. As you said, it's set up really nicely because it looks like you know Villa are a side who can score goals, and we're generally pretty good at home. Blues look like a side who can also score goals, but both teams have their moments where they're a little bit shaky at the back should we say yeah although i thought we were a bit more composed we were like last season uh where you just need a goalkeeper to be there for two or three moments because most of the time we're in control and you know the opposition aren't necessarily getting a lot of shots on goal or you know really troubling us the only thing that worries me if it, if a team you know just goes let's say a bit more like cardiff and starts to go very direct against us and you know starts to pump it in then then we might may struggle but they've got to get the ball first yeah one of the the things that probably won't get applauded as much from the uh, the derby game was because of course our attacking prowess will get all the headlines but actually it's the first time this season we've had back-to-back clean sheets yeah which you know that's a big a big step forward for villa with the way they've defended since august and especially for nyland who's been relatively hit and miss i think he generally did what he had to do quite well it's also the first away win for dean smith all season for both brentford and villa so that's a big step forward as well it is a big step to to do it in that style as well because i always in the back of my head with the way his teams generally play i always had the fear that they might be a little bit like what fulham are doing in the premier league now where unless they play out of their skin they aren't necessarily going to have that ability to go away and battle but i think you look on our bench and you see the likes of Yedinak and Whelan and I think actually we 
if needed to, I think we can still do the ugly stuff well like we did last year. Yeah, but also I think there's a bit more, let's say, firepower in the Villa team than the Brentford team because the Brentford have had pl- have played really well away from home but they just haven't put teams away and that's why you know the Dean Smith not winning away all season statistic looked uh, it looked bad but he was very close obviously uh, you know there's a few draws in there and they could have all could have been wins so uh, I think that extra firepower I hate using the word quality but uh, the extra I won't so I won't use it the extra firepower uh, may be the difference and as we were saying about uh, whilst Dean Smith hasn't finished uh, higher than ninth in any league uh, in eight seasons he has an approach to the game and he has a style that potentially suits the better players that he hasn't had access to yet and so this may completely uh you know it'll be the perfect storm the perfect fit and so the way he's been playing potentially does not necessarily lend itself well to let's say lesser players but it will just click when he's got a better yeah it's an it's an upgrade isn't it for him it's very much an upgrade on what he's been doing i think you look at some of the interviews with a couple of the players since smith's arrived and you can see that they're happy. You know, Twan Zabi's yeah. clearly enjoying himself under Smith. Yeah. Grealish is in, beginning to enjoy himself again. Obviously, you know, he'd had a bit of a, a wobbly start to the season. I think the interview with Hutton previously, he's clearly enjoying himself. I would imagine Neil Taylor has probably had a bit of a second lease of life and feeling a lot more confident about things. Because I think Smith comes in as a fan and also a little bit more impartial, having yeah. had his had his you know Brentford side play against Villa he won't have his favourites because he knows this isn't his necessarily his team but it is very much a step up from where he's come from Yeah. so he won't be coming in and going well that was my signing so I want to play him that was my signing you know there's various people asking oh, you know, what's happened to El Ghazi why isn't Bree playing and the fact of the matter is they're not doing it yeah. If they were doing it, I'd have thought they would play. To use a boxing phrase, style, styles make fights. And I think in terms of uh, Smith, his style, just with the, the squad we've got, makes the fight that you you know you saw against Derby and hopefully you'll see for the rest of the season as we uh, make mincemeat of this uh, championship and bomb onto uh, promotion. As my parting shot, the game against Derby will give them belief towards something that we already knew, that there clearly isn't a standout team. You know, in the, in the division, and you look down some of the results, you know, Derby went to West Brom and won 4-1. They got battered by Villa at home. Leeds got battered by West Brom. Yeah. Anyone on their day can beat anyone. And I just think Villa are slowly but surely starting to get their shit together. And as you said, with our firepower, which whatever way you look at it, is superior to the other teams in that division, especially in our forward, our forward line. Yeah. There is no reason why we can't be right up there. Not there or thereabouts, but there. You know, we're not that far off, considering at times since August how bad we've been and the stupid games that we've dropped points in. We're still within touching distance. And if we get this period of the season right, we put ourselves in the box seat for after Christmas. As long as we're in and amongst it come New Year's Day, you think we're going to have a really good second half of the season. Yeah, I think you said a couple of podcasts ago, a couple of episodes ago, that uh, you saw this uh, tough run of fixtures up to Christmas as as, a, as an opportunity, as a real opportunity. And I, th- and I think it, it has to be seen that way, doesn't it? And I think it, it, it is, rather than way. like fearing and going, oh, this is a championship, every game's a, a tough game. This, If we just cut loose and... Uh, go at all these teams and we're suddenly because a lot of these games against the, the top teams are away from home so if we get ourselves claw ourselves back into this by beating a few of these uh teams uh, in the run-up to christmas then suddenly flip side of the year we start off 2019 with a reverse fixture so we'll have the easier fixtures first so we'll be able to continue the momentum and then 
when you look at the end of the season, we'll be playing these teams that are going to be our uh, rivals for the pr- uh, promotion places. Most of them will be playing them at Villa Park. So suddenly, uh, you know, they'll open that upper tier of Trinity. We'll get behind, uh, get behind the lads and uh, rock on. Now, this is one hell of an optimistic podcast. I know, it's brilliant. There's no reason for the fans to not come back. A, because the TV product is crap, but B, because they're actually getting entertaining football, which they haven't had for a bloody long time. Yeah, if you're listening to this show from Australia or uh, America, uh, United States of America, you might as well just fly over to watch games than uh, watching AV uh, TV. Or it's a shame that they should get Rams TV just to follow all the Villa games, cover all the Villa games, because that was good. Keep Tommy Johnson on there, obviously an ex-Villa, and uh, jobs are good. And just Yeah, I like the sound of that. Move them over. Just pay them whatever they want. Double their pay and uh, move them over. Or just 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 pay us the money. <laughs> just pay us the money. <laughs> anyway, right then. Before we uh, go into the Q and A, uh, before that, I uh, just want to give a shout out to uh, the My Old Man Said patrons that have joined to support the show and uh, the website. Thank you very much uh, to Patrick Singleton, Guy Dunstan, Daniel Gard, and Anders Vecken. Viken. I don't know how to pronounce it. Thank you very much for Feynman. Thank you, yeah, and uh, Andreas Feynman. Thank you very much for uh, signing up. Good timing, actually, because one thing uh, I'd like to do, uh, which not uh, many people do with patrons, uh, this, this Patreon scheme. Normally, you know, you give people bonus content and uh, posts and podcasts or whatever. But I like to also shell out some goodies. And Santa Moms has been hard at it the last uh, week or so. And uh, there's going to be a few reward draws uh, in the next week or so. So if you want to support the show, please, uh, please do so by going to myomansaid.com and click on Patron in the menu bar. If you're on a mobile device, uh, just click on that menu. Uh, I think it's, it's three little stripes square thing on the left hand side and that will pop up uh, the mobile menu but it's worth doing and also keep an eye out on uh, Facebook in the next week or so because uh, something's going to happen there as well but lots of goodies incoming so watch out if you're uh, listening uh, on iTunes or Spotify or Podcast Addict uh, please do uh, follow don't forget to join the Mad Few Facebook group. Yes, that is essential. That could be a, the essential Facebook group of 2019. It will be the place that you'll hear of the best promotion celebrating parties. So you'll be able to find that. Just go on. Uh, it's on the show notes or just uh, click on podcast on myomansaid.com and uh, it, it gets a mention in there. But please join in and give us ideas, for example, for where were you when we were good. And any other ideas that you might want on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, new sections are always welcome. Yeah. Uh, If you can find a replacement, Dan, also get in touch. Right, let's get on to these questions. Mom's question time. Right, let's roll into these questions. Who's that Norwegian goalkeeper that apparently plays for us? He seems to pop up in a lot of these, actually. Yeah. Very popular, this goalkeeper. What a guy. These questions sent in via the Facebook group and Instagram. Right, first of all, Pat Singleton says, Do you think James Bree will ever get a chance at right back? And will Hudson ever stay in position? (laughs) 
both are probably quite debatable at the moment, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably none of the above. Probably Elmo will just come in. I would have thought so, yeah. I'd like to think Bree will get a, a, a run out. I saw him in the under-23s. I think he scored a couple of goals and played well going forward. Didn't look amazing at the back. It's a, it's a really difficult one with him. I think he's, he's just one of those guys who needs a run of games. And is he going to get it at Villa? I don't know. If anybody's not familiar with the history of him... When he was playing at Barnsley, Steve Bruce made a point of actually seeing him three times before they actually signed off on him. Yeah, and he was a, he was very hotly tipped, wasn't he? So yeah, he was like you know potentially uh, you know one of the best fullback prospects in the division. Yeah, no, he was kind of the you know we're bringing him here to play, and he didn't. Yeah, I, mean, I think Al Mohamed has come good. If I'm honest, I think yeah, he's Bree still just... a bit conservative. He's not. He's yeah. not somebody who's getting down the byline and attacking players and dribbling. I think at he's. Them. Yeah, he's he's the solid option, isn't he? I think he'll always get to the edge of the box and then put a cross in. I mean, his delivery is you know he's pretty good. He's you know he's obviously uh, racked up a few assists. But I think I don't know if James Bree was somebody who's good on paper, where you think yeah, attacking fullback, uh, you know, he's good going forward as uh, as well. And and actually, uh, when they got a close look at him. There were some deficiencies there. That's 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 always yeah. That's always been my view with him. Whenever I've seen him, I've always thought he's just he doesn't look quite at the pace. Yeah. So we don't know about James Bree because we don't really know what the reality is. I think if we drift off and we don't pick up points up to Christmas, then I think Dean Smith will start looking at next season and maybe James Bree will come in then. And you know, Hutton will yeah. be Hutton's playing now essentially because Dean Smith must consider him as the best bet to get points at this moment in time to Again, get results. Again, I think I think he's the he's the kind of the relatively safe bet, isn't he? Yeah. But you know, we haven't it's not the let's say it's not the most gritty no. back line, so he kind of adds that. Okay. He's you know, he's somebody who can yeah. get stuck in which uh, Chester and uh, Tuenzebi are, are more as I think we described them uh, Rolls-Royce type yeah. uh, full backs comfortable on the ball. They're not like blood and thunder type players which you do need uh you need that in the ingredients of your back line mm-hmm. uh anyway we'll see how that pans out but as i said if if, if we're picking up points i think hurton stays there whether he stays in position or not but if we start to uh, drop then i think hurton's cast aside and then uh, smith will have a look at brie hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sean Carroll asks, Why is there a lack of reciprocal deals with other clubs on away ticket pricing? Reading do a good job. This is something I've always asked the head of ticketing at Villa uh, through the away ticket meetings. I mean, it's something uh, that, like, for example, the Football Supporters Federation have always tried to push. And, you know, I get intel on what clubs are are up for it. And then you pass it on to Villa and then you hear back and nothing's happened. Uh, Sometimes they do it. It's kind of hit and miss. Um, Yeah, it's very seldom, isn't it, these days? Individual uh, clubs have different 
issues, but the main one of the main problems is uh, other clubs know that Villa bring a lot of people, a lot of fans. So sometimes it's a good payday for the home team. So they they don't really want to you know chop ten quid off the ticket. Uh, if they're going to, you know, obviously lose out on, you know, three, four thousand, uh, ten pounds. So yeah, I think they know. I think they know Villa will turn at whatever anyway. So yeah, Villa Bible asks, what needs improving? Who do we need to get in in January? Uh, I think I, I think I answered this. I mean, we're not going to rattle through uh, a load of players now, but I think I answered it earlier on in this podcast. I think the two players at the moment that are starting in the first 11 that aren't really, let's say, Dean Smith players are probably Hudson and Codger in terms of, you know, playing football, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but if you've got Tammy Abraham up there, he's, I mean, he's, I think he's been playing Codger as a wide option because Balassi isn't completely fit and Al Ghazi doesn't, you know, seem to be in the reckoning at the moment. So in terms of getting somebody in, I think it's more uh, defensive reinforcements and potentially a new keeper. Yeah, I think you'd, you'll probably find a centre-back and probably a goalkeeper. I don't think the forward line will be reinforced. No. Harry Hart asks, is it just me that finds Balassi annoying because he never puts in effort? Well, I don't... I, I think Balassi mm. isn't 100%, 100% fit, but when he's come on, he's... Uh, it was just that Swansea game where he got a bit of flack and then... This is the thing, I mean, I'm going to write an article about this. There's a, there's a couple of sites that will write clickbait headlines saying Aston Villa fans slag off player or Aston Villa fans uh, say get rid of player and it'll basically be an article that they will start off Aston Villa fans took to Twitter to voice their disgust about Balassi's performances so these headlines and they're just attached to articles with four or five tweets that they've just wrapped up from the internet I mean it's just basically to get clicks but what it yeah. does it instills this negativity and what toxicness that yeah. uh, a player you know fans just even if subconsciously will see on uh, social media that you know players being crap and fans think he's crap so you have this sheep mentality and it starts you know they start to people who haven't seen the games will start saying that Balas is you know crap which is lazy I happen to think he could, in the second half of the season, be one of our most important players if we get him fit and firing. He could be the difference. Yeah, at the moment he's just been drip fed into games, and there was a big moment actually in the Bolton game where he got his nasty challenge, and I thought, oh, "There's his knee going," because he's obviously he's been out yeah. all season. He thought, "Well, yeah, actually that's a test," um, and he probably got more confidence from that challenge than you know anything he's done in terms yeah. of scoring and goals. He looks, or and whatever. he looks quick, doesn't he? He looks light. He looks, yeah. you know, he's got he's still got a yard of pace in him. So uh, before you get the guillotine out on Balassi, actually allow him uh, a chance to uh, get going. But I think, you know, obviously Dean Smith's had a word and Dean Smith knows how he's bringing him through. And I think he's, I think Dean Smith said himself, he's he's getting close to starting now. Chris Thake says, have Nyland and Enkelman ever been seen in the same room together? That is a good question. It is. A very good question. Yeah, our our record with Scandinavian goalkeepers is pretty appalling, isn't it? Yeah, centre back's a bit better, but it feels like Enkelman to me. I'm getting flashbacks from that time. I must admit. Yeah, can can make good saves, and you think, oh, he's all right. Yeah, he's confidence back, and then you know, there's a clangor waiting around the corner. No confidence in terms of his uh, bossing of his own box. He doesn't appear to instill confidence in the rest of the team, does he? Either I don't think. Owen Hoskins says, do you think Grealish plays better under Smith after being so close to Bruce? Uh, no, I wouldn't have said so, because Grealish was fantastic last season in the second half of the year. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's had moments this year. I think he's you know, the team's set up slightly differently, and 
I think the protection Grealish got with the players he had around him last year was probably greater. I think the likes of Snodgrass, Terry, Graben, a few of the guys... You know, Horahan yeah. was probably in much better form. I think he had a, a much more fluid unit around him. I think he's realising that he's having to take the mantle on his own a little bit more this year. Yep. And it's you know, it's easy to get on the, the the Dean Smith hype train because he comes with this tag of playing attractive football and people immediately think, Oh, yeah, Grealish is much better under Smith than he is Bruce, but it's you know, it hasn't been proven yet. When I will start getting excited about Grealish is if you're putting yourselves in the shoes of, let's say, a top six club in the Premier League and you're looking you're scouting Grealish, would you be impressed with what you've seen there at the moment in terms of making an impact? I mean, in the upper echelons yeah, of the Premier League? Just... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be if no. I was a scout and you know, somebody says, "Should we should we spend thirty million on him?" I'd be like, "Nah, it's all right. Let's give yeah. it a few more." Uh, you look in comparison at last season. You know, you had uh, Madison who left Norwich to go to Leicester, who's stepped up into the Premier League and done a brilliant job there. Yeah. Um, now that is the expectation. I don't think you know Grealish was ever going to realistically go to Spurs and be the main man. No, so he has to use this opportunity of what Dean Smith is trying to do with him, playing in, uh, you know, trying to get him further forward, trying to get him receiving the ball in danger areas. And this is where he potentially could be that impact player that actually gets the big moves. Yeah, he has to, he has to impact the game. So doesn't he? he has to make goals. He has to start scoring goals. He's admitted yeah. that himself. That's essentially his job description. It's all right getting the ball and fannying around and taking on five players, you know, in the middle of the park and maybe winning a free kick, but that doesn't win you the balloon Dior, does it? No, he's he's judged on, you know, the end product and Exactly. Sturgy Boy says, Are you sick of seeing fans on social media slagging Taylor, Neil Taylor, regardless of how he plays? To be well, fair to him, I, I think Taylor has actually, since he's come back into the team, I think he's grown into his role. And I haven't I haven't I haven't seen too many people uh, having a puppy. No, again, it's I think it's just this belated social media sheep mentality. Who have I mean, this has happened all the time that people were slanging off Delph something rotten and not even you know considering that his injuries had you know taken seasons out of his time at Villa, and you just knew with Delph the potential was there and he could do something, and it, you know and it happened and people were saying that about Benteke early on as well. But in terms of uh, Neil Taylor. Give him his dues. He's probably the first fullback of Aston Villa for the last season or so that's actually got down the byline against Bolton. This is got down the byline, got past their fullback, and actually whipped in a cross. And uh, actually, Villa could have. I think it led to that Albert Adomar overhead kick. Yeah, I think I think he's you know he's grown into his role. I think he had a, a spell last year where Hutton you know deservedly kept him out of the team. Yeah, um, but Hutton is a right back. If if you've got Taylor who is a left back, all of a sudden we look more balanced. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, if he's fit and he's growing in form, which I think he is, slowly but surely, I'd, I'd play him. Yeah, if you're upgrading the team, you're, you're obviously you're looking at potential upgrade at left-back. But in terms of getting us to January and, uh, let's say, being good enough, as long as he's playing 7 out of 10... Yeah, and, so, and, um, and because of the way we're set up, to be fair, our full-backs don't necessarily need to be bombing on full-backs. If, we, you know, if, if the five midfielders and the, and the forward... You know, if we're going to play with sort of a Balassian and a Doma on the left or whoever, they need to take the the, you know, the, the bulk of the workload in the yeah. final third. You know, I'm not expecting Taylor to get to the byline every time and whip one in. You know, he's not a Luke Shaw. He's not one of those kind of fullbacks. Yeah, it's just not. It's just not his game, is it? Luke AVFC twenty eight on 
Instagram asks, no, actually just makes a statement, Dean Smith actually knows what he's fucking talking about. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. It's kind of a revelation to actually hear. Press conference. An Aston Villa manager who actually you want to listen to, and it's actually interesting to listen to, and a few people might actually learn a thing or two about football listening to. Hopefully the players will too. He talks tactics, doesn't he? And he's... Yeah. He, he analyzes the team rather than talking about the fan base, the expectation, dusting ourselves down there or thereabouts. It's yeah. it's not a regurgitated, you know. He's he's very much not going through the motions. Exactly, he's, he's attentive to the questions. Yeah. Hope one five five asks, who should we sign at centre half? I'd have got Flint from Bristol City. Yeah, he was the obvious choice in the summer, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was, and he's, and he's wanted, doing well there. If you wanted to get promoted, you got him in. Really, it, if you wanted a shot at promotion, you got him in. Beyond that, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think it's either someone who we don't know who could come in and do a really good job. I'm sure Dean Smith will have options. It, would it be even Elphick coming back, who is apparently yeah. playing quite well at Hull at the moment? I think that would be the most likely scenario. Would be uh, Elphick coming back at this stage, just because yeah. it's a bit easier. I mean, Elphick might not want to come back, but uh, I think Bruce was the main uh, issue there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Elphick will obviously want to play uh, top fiddle. So if uh, and Zabi and Chester are rocking and rolling, then uh, he may he may not come back. If one of those is right. like long term injured, then you know then he'll probably come back. But uh, you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll get more into the uh, nitty gritty of who we should sign uh, as we get closer to the January window. I mean it's you know we we so many articles. It's, it's basically just for reader uh, clickbait. It's just you know Barry Bannon for eight million quid for eight million pounds. Like, come like, off it. Yeah, you, you know, you'll, you'll get a load of numpties clicking on that, thinking it's real and then, you know, spreading it. But, you know, come on. Eight million for Barry Bannon, I don't think so. Next question. Niddler10 suggests a one-hour nylon special. Could probably pull that off, actually. A load of drops. Could give you... We could do the basics of goalkeeping. Ah, yes. And we could uh, cross-reference it against Mark Bosnich. We could actually do it as a podcast goalkeeping lesson and then we could send it to him on Twitter. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, there's an idea. But it isn't like it's a tape, a tape or a CD or anything he can drop then either. They used to call me the cat when I was uh, at school, when I used to play in goal. All oh, right. Well, you are uh, huge. No, a thing or two. Yeah, but I got lightning reflexes <laughs> as well. I was, ah, the yes. full, I was the full package. You were the real deal. <laughs> the real deal. Just I just wanted, you know, when you're young and you want to play football, you want to play outfield. So were you, did you end up being the target man? I was well, as a centre-back by trade. Oh, you were an in enforcer. If you wanted to win league titles, you played me at centre-back. But then uh, when I went to, uh, like, you moved to school... Because I was tall, they they asked me where do I play, it? and I said anywhere but centre forward. So the next game, first game, played mid centre forward. Of scored, course. Of, scored, of course. Standard. <laughs> so then that put me in a position where they would play me at centre forward. When I mean, I didn't have like super pace or whatever. I was just like good in the air and uh, all that kind of shit. Was it kind of like watching Ian Ormondroyd? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that. It was more, more like Matt Elliott when he used more, to venture forward for Leicester. More Ian Oldney. Oh, <laughs> well, <no. laughs> But naturally, I think my position was in goal, goalkeeper. But uh, I could have been goalkeeping coach at Aston Villa now, but I gave it all up. Yeah, you know, you let Neil Cutler have his job. Exactly. You, you know, you've got to spread the love. Yeah. Peterson85 asks... Who would you replace as priority in January? Taylor or Nyland? Neither are up to scratch at the moment. Nyland. Yeah, I would go Nyland every time because at the moment, 
we need we need a bit of a run to get this let's say to win promotion yeah, we we've do. got to find some form because suddenly become solid and electric up front but i've got a feeling that we may find some of that and nylon's going to drop some clangers and cost us points we can, at this stage where we've let so many cheap points go so far we can't afford to let any more go so uh yeah, that's my main concern. If I'm Dean Smith, yeah. Cam Gord asks, "Do you think Codger still deserves a spot in the team, considering he's been seriously lacking an end product?" <laughs> you know, I, I don't see Codger as a as an all round centre forward. No, he's he's definitely not the main man, is he? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have him. I, I think he breaks up that the ethic of a team. Yeah, especially when you see what Abraham brings to the table and how hard he works. And the amount of chasing down he does and his hold-up plays better. And I think if you compare the two of them, if Codger's having a bad day, he's having a bad day and he's a liability. Yeah. If Abraham's having a bad day, you still get a shift out of him. By, by accommodating Codger, I think he clearly wants to play one up front. You can't play two strikers. And I think we've got players who can play on the wing. We've got multiple options who are far superior to Codger yeah, as far as making goals. Yeah, I mean, Abraham's a bit has a bit more of an all-round game uh, like Benteke had. I mean, Benteke had good vis- vision and could play people in. Kodja, uh, he, 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 the ball starts to stick to him and then he suddenly finds himself surrounded by three players when he, he could, if he played it off first time, suddenly the team's still moving forward and, you know, he doesn't get to uh, find himself up a blind alley. Yeah, I think his, his, his decision-making is definitely uh, lacking at the moment. Yo Nason says, I know we are a bit late for Halloween, but a list of things scarier than watching Nylon flap at another cross. Um, prospect of another, another prospect of another playoff final. Losing another playoff final, that's definitely scarier. Nylon trying to trap a throw-in from Alan Hutton, but it rolling under his boot into the empty, Don't. empty net of the whole tend. Don't. <laughs> that's, that's potentially scarier. Good Lord. Paul Lambert coming back to be a manager at Villa Park. Although that would be quite funny at the same time. We played Ipswich away the first game, didn't we? We did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So he's got to come back. That'll be fun. Paul Lambert coming back. That's, that's potentially scary if he wins. We could go on, but should we move on? Let's. Yippee-i-a, yippee-i-o asks, if Villa don't go up this season, lightly, in brackets, come on, yippee-i-a, yippee-i-o. Have a bit more uh, optimism. Sorry, I'll say that again. If Villa don't go up this season, lightly in brackets, do you think Villa fans will be as bothered as we would if Bruce was still in? Oh, it's still the goal, isn't it? It's We are in transition. I think if people would be happy, I think, and I don't speak for the majority, I, I don't know, but if people have seen enough progress that they know that, you know what, we're going into next season and we're going to be a force, people probably wouldn't mind as much if we were just been treading water. If we finish mid-table, uh, then uh, the questions will be asked. Yeah, they'll be asked, you know. There's, they'll be definitely asked by me if we don't finish higher than ninth, which has been Dean Smith's limit in an eight seasons so far. Yeah, I, I still think we've got enough to be in and around the playoffs. I don't know if automatics too much. I have a feeling it probably is already but we there's no reason why we can't go on a run you know you look at the run Norwich have gone on and various other teams and I think I think we can have that run myself and I can't speak for Dean Smith but I think he thinks it as well we would both uh, and I can't speak for Chris Bird but I think he would think it as well I think we all like and I can't speak for Dan Rogers but I think he thinks it as well I think we all expect to be in the playoffs at the yeah. end of this season yeah, if he if he gets us in automatic then he's done a very very good job because there's so much ground to make up Playoffs, though, is, is still ground to make up, but it's realistic. I think so. I mean, you look at how crap we've been at times, and to, to think the distance is, you know, not that big 
already yeah. is is pretty staggering, really. If Bruce was still in, he'd be sacked at the end of the uh, season if uh, he hadn't got Villa up. Yeah, fact. Uh, Patini asks thoughts on the new goalie coach. Uh, he's got a big job. He's meant to be highly rated. I'm not going to confess to having any knowledge beyond uh, what he did as a player for Villa, which obviously was just one subs appearance, but uh, obviously worked with uh, Smith back in Warsaw. And highly sought of. Interestingly, Big Dave kept him on in his coaching staff at West Brom. So obviously he has, uh, you know, he's not uh, just a schmuck. By uh, Big Dave's uh, admittance, he tried to keep him and persuade him to stay. But uh, obviously his links with Smith are strong. So uh, let's see. If, if you know, Nyland's suddenly catching everything and uh, claiming everything. And for a goalkeeper not to be able to do what we've expected him to do, I mean, the fact that he's got past the scouting at Villa. thing about Nyland, this this is the thing about Nyland. When I met Steve Bruce at this fan consultation group a couple of seasons ago, he openly said that he couldn't believe that Villa had bought Galini because there was, he'd seen three scouting reports from Aston Villa scouts saying, do not, they had it, you know, they looked at him over a, you know, a few seasons. You always keep tabs on like young players and uh, keep your eye on them. And he was flagged up, and these three reports said, "Don't buy him." So Bruce said, "I, even though they had this knowledge, and there was, and Di Matteo, I think it was like the Italian connection, went against what Villa had uh, obviously scouted these reports." So I want to know: is it the same re- scouts that uh, went after Nyland? Because obviously we were meant to be looking for him, you know, over a period of a couple of years, as as did a few other clubs. But I can't see how he's got through. No, he, he looks like one of those goalies who, who just looked good on a highlights reel on YouTube and I thought, oh, wow, he can make spectacular saves. Yeah. But I kind of like goalkeepers to be, you know, not have to make saves. Because as soon as his name was mentioned, you just had to uh, look at the reaction from uh, Norwegian Villa fans stroke uh, Norwegian football fans and, and it was a real mixed uh, analysis yeah. of him. Yeah, it certainly wasn't like the Hibernian response when we bought McGinn. It wasn't exactly. an outcry of, oh, wow, what a play you've got there. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. That, that but for w- his sake, I hope you know. I hope he comes good. Yeah, it's cheaper if he does. Yeah. And everybody loves a, a happy ending. And a bargain. Everyone loves a bargain, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and we need another Norwegian legend uh, amongst our ranks as well. They're always welcome. Maybe he'll come into his own now. It's winter. Yeah. Maybe well, he's like acclimatising. Well... You know, that's what I thought about Bjarnason, but that game in the snow against Bolton, he was next to useless after the Wolves uh, win, I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Let's just forget about last year. Right, so that's uh, that's all the uh, questions from uh, listeners. Thank you very much for sending those in. Uh, please do follow the podcast on its dedicated Twitter account, at avfc podcast or also you can join the mad few podcast group which is dedicated to the podcast as well to discuss things with other listeners and also uh throw your suggestions in the hat uh, especially for where were you when we were good if you can think of a moment uh, for that or actually you know if you can come up with any other ideas for sections for the show so please do get involved in that and also, if you want to support the show, please do uh, become a My Old Man Said patron. Go to myoldmansaid.com and click on the patron option. We'd recommend uh, the tier is uh, $3, $5 a month to uh, have access to uh, bonus podcasts and advanced listens. We'll be doing more, uh, let's say, more frequent and structured ones in the coming months, especially uh, once we get through the Christmas period. Anyway, thanks 
as always for listening and until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him see you later my old man said away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans